always be recording. It takes when you with the clapping like way deeper down in the track. It's, nah, but it's there might be gold difficult. before that. There's never gold. Um, <laughs> I have objectively gotten gold from before from pre-clap for episodes already. Yeah, uh, come on, you fraud. Fraud. All right. <laughs> oh, I'm oh I'm counting down. Ooh, okay. Are we ready? Yep. Three, two, one. But you can't check your six. It's kind of like, you know, taking a screwdriver to a gunfight. What's happening? Just like old Tom, Tom. That sounded way off. That sounded, that did sound it's, way it off. It always sounds way off. <laughs> uh, we'll fix it in post. That's you'll what it's there it. for. <laughs> you'll fix it in post. Let's be very clear. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh well anyway this is uh episode what did we say 14 i believe so yes of steven see it all uh welcome i am aaron i am zachary i'm hans nice and today we are talking about 2003's the foreigner starring steven seagal do i need to say the starring steven seagal part um i mean you do for this one because there is the foreigner also starring jackie chan Oh, so, yes. oh, that's right. Starring because Chan. if you Google the foreigner, it will pull the Jackie Chan version. So I think <laughs> that's right. Episode yeah. 15. I don't think we should have to say starring Steven Seagal. We probably will, but we don't have to. For, this is one of the few that we actually do need to specify that. Yeah, there is another uh, probably much better, better movie <laughs> called The Foreigner starring Jackie Chan. Definitely not like I wouldn't count it as one of like the great Jackie Chan films. Mm. Uh, it's fine. still a heck of a lot better than the garbage that we just watched. <laughs> so, um. I'm going to, okay, here's, okay, so I kind of like this one. Okay, that's so good. I was so, I was so worried because I feel like I've been, I've done this so often. I do not want to be the contrary and I'm not trying to disagree with Hans, but I, I (laughs) we flip flop like every single time. I, this one was such a drag. It went on for so long. It was pretty, it was long. This one, I kept checking and it's only, what is this? An hour 35, I think too. Yeah. It's like a whole four minutes longer than usual. And I kept checking the the tracks to see how much more of this I had because oh man, the problem I couldn't is... follow it at all. I really couldn't. Really? I feel no. like <laughs> okay. That was actually that was I. I'm sorry. I keep going on tangents. I'm not doing good podcasting. I'm very self conscious. We haven't even done right the now. recap yet. We'll get into it in a second. Hold on for dear life, dear audience. This is kind of a this is going to be a weird, well, weird one. Because what I was going to say <laughs> is that I am very ready for Aaron to recap this one because I, similarly to Hans, actually, I felt like I just like did not know what was going on at all. But <laughs> like I spent like 15 minutes just like, I don't know what's going on. And like at the 16th minute, I was like, you know what? But it doesn't matter. <laughs> and if you watch this movie, like not fully knowing what's going on, but just kind of being there for the vibes, it's actually, I, I had a fun time. But we'll let you, yeah. we'll let you do the recap. I, Maybe that was my problem. I was my, I was trying to derive some kind of meaning from the plot, and there just isn't one. My concern, if anything, is that I have this general shape that I barely understand and kind of enjoyed it, and that as we like harden those edges and like fill in those lines, I'm gonna like it less. That's my concern. <laughs> so yeah, I um I actually kind of like this one. I think my brain is broken. Fourteen episodes in, like I just can't. Probably officially broken at this point. Yeah. Yeah, it's sure. I think right my brain's officially broke at this point. You know because, what? Oh, I'll, like, I'll get to it. Okay. Just like the first 10 minutes 
I'm watching along and I'm like, this is actually, I, this is pretty good. It's, it's not ticker. Uh, <laughs> which was, it's even definitely uh, the bottom here. What was the last um, one we watched? Uh, the last dead. one we watched was Half Past Dead. It's even better than Half Past Dead. Like, I think it's better than Half Past Dead. It's the dead. most fun I've had with one of these since Under Siege 2. Yeah. Was this the first direct-to-DVD? No, there's been other direct-to-videos, but no. this is the first of like when that's just what it stays. That the, becomes the norm after this yeah, movie. Okay. Yeah, because uh, The Patriot uh, was also direct-to-video, I know. But like for the first 10 minutes of this movie, I'm just thinking, I'm actually having a pretty good time. And then I got really worried because Steven Seagal does not appear in the first about 10 minutes of this movie. And I thought, okay, am I just enjoying this because mm-hmm. he's not on screen? <laughs> am I, like, is very he going to show up and ruin it? And I was very pleasantly surprised that that didn't happen for yeah. me. That did not happen. Um, yeah, we're in the same After wavelength. I, I'm going to do, I'm okay, I'm going to do the recap. And then I want to talk about, I just want to talk about Steven Seagal for just a few minutes. Just him. Well, not... do you think we have time to talk about that <laughs> on our Steven Seagal podcast? but like i i want to talk about the man a little bit but first let's just get through the plot of the foreigner uh which yes is is convoluted but okay i'm just this is off the dome i just finished watching it i usually i just had a conversation with zach about this yesterday that usually i have to watch it a day ahead of time so i can like ruminate and come up with thoughts i just finished this movie 10 minutes ago uh so here we go uh steven seagal is a former cia uh, probably operative he's a former uh, he foreigner was, yeah he's a what's called a foreigner super deep cover operative uh eventually he got caught while doing some operations left the cia now he lives in poland as a sort of like a mercenary uh and he does like really dangerous missions for just whoever uh whoever's gonna hire him and he specializes in transporting sensitive packages that's what I was going to say. Is he a mercenary or is he a glorified UPS flat FedEx driver? Well, he's like a UPS <laughs> He's like a UPS driver, except he expects to be shot at. Like, that's his thing. Oh, okay. They Sick sh- burn uh, for insert whatever it, city. Wait, they should have called it the Transporter. Rip off another movie name. Nice. Well, I was going to say Sick burn for whatever city you hate. Like, oh, he's a UPS <laughs> driver that just expects to be shot. What, is he a UPS driver in, I don't know, Camden? Like, just insert like some city that people like to make fun of. Well, Detroit, I'll, I'll make know. 50 different edits of this. Yeah. And- we can just insert a different city. Yeah, we'll, I'll just get a couple clean so takes, just... like Camden, Detroit, <laughs> no, Philly, Boston, Philly, Baltimore, Philly, um, Ottawa, <laughs> Baltimore, Toronto, Philly, um, Pittsburgh, <laughs> Philly. Stop hating on Philadelphia, Hunt. I Phil- love Philadelphia. A, Philly's a terrible place. Beautiful... Okay, I we're not here so to talk much. about Philadelphia, the beautiful anyway. city we love. Uh, so Steven Seagal finds out that his father, who was also in the military, dies. He was a Marine. He dies. Uh, and so he kind of feels like he should get out of the business. Uh, but his most recent employer gives him one more job. And he needs to take a sensitive package to a German man named Jerome Van Aken. Yes. I don't mean interrupts, but could you just remind us again of what his character is? We're going to call him Steven Seagal, but what his character's name is in the movie. Oh, his name is Jonathan Cold. Agent Jonathan is, John Cold. The, and they say silly. his last name like a million times in this movie. Oh, yeah, but for like half the movie, he's operating under an alias. Uh, and it made it very confusing for a little bit. Yep. Um, like the middle, not like the front half or the back half, the middle half of the movie. It took me a really long time to realize that. Yeah. I was really he's working under the an whole alias. time. It's a very confusing cream in this Oreo cookie. He's just going to be... <laughs> 
he's just going to be Steven Seagal. Uh, that's way easier. Uh, but so um, there's a different guy who's supposed to deliver this package, Dunois, which I want to talk about Dunois for a second. So <laughs> He Dunois. might have been my favorite part of the movie. Oh, absolutely. Who is the best part of the movie. <laughs> that dude, that, that mother never not has a cigarette in his mouth and that's hilarious like so, i'm like oh he smokes that's one thing literally if he is on screen <laughs> he is smoking a cigarette and i've never seen so, a character chain smoke to that degree he, he's french he's supposed to be french he's so he does not sound french no. at all he speaks french twice in the movie it is horrible no but literally you know he is french because every time he's on screen there are at least two cigarettes on screen uh, he's French because he has he's one in his mouth and one on his ear at every moment. <laughs> he is always smoking a cigarette. He gets shot like four times in this movie, and every single time he gets up, immediately lights a cigarette, and then patches himself up. The one time he didn't, the one he got shot, he fell over backwards. The cigarette didn't even leave his mouth. No, no. why would he's a professional Hans? Why would he? <laughs> he's a professional Frenchman. I really uh, would watch a spinoff movie for, of him. Oh my gosh, that would be great! Like. A spinoff movie just of doing wow, just doing <laughs> like being invincible, doing, doing his kind of vaguely. You find out he's thing. actually like a French vampire, and that's how he survived all this. <laughs> um, but <laughs> so Dunoir is supposed to be sent on the mission, but the uh, the rich guy um, he insists on sending Seagal as well, uh, and so they go to the place where they're going to pick up the package. They don't know what's in it, uh, and they. Like assassins jump out through the windows um, and start shooting up the place, and you know that the house that they're in is owned by a very French woman because she has like a hundred bottles of wine <laughs> in her house, and they all explode, and the house bursts into flames. Uh, so okay, Seagal they do like and... throw like gasoline gets lit. The house doesn't spontaneously combust, although a lot of no. things in this movie do just spontaneously combust. <laughs> they're like shooting. The first thing that catches fire is like a wine bottle, oh, which wine it? is not alcoholic enough to catch I fire. I could have sworn they had like a that. tank of gas or something. No, no it, it is. That does That's much later in the movie. Yeah, okay. yeah. I'm That's my, that. the third building that they burn. Yeah, I'm down confusing that with one of the 15 buildings that catches on fire in this movie. So Seagal and Dunoir, um, <laughs> they lie. they escape, uh, they get away, um, and I think I'm trying to remember exactly what happens after that. Uh, so they oh they go back to the guy who hired him, uh, and are like that was terrible. Like what's going on? Are you trying to kill us? Uh, and so the guy who hired them is like, okay, Dunoir, leave the room. I just need to talk to Seagal by himself. He's like, okay, Seagal, like, uh, you need to take the package to the German guy. It's very, very important that you get it there. It's this one last job. I can only trust you. Apparently, there are people who are, like, trying to stop this from happening, but it's very, very important you get this package. Yes, Zachary, your hand is raised. I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt again, but... That's great Zach, the amount of times that you way, have said I don't hand. mean to interrupt... In I the, don't mean in to interrupt, the, but I will. I'm sorry. We're mean 10 to, minutes in on my recording, and you said I don't mean to interrupt like 18 well, times. Well, I don't mean to interrupt, but I will interrupt. Just because I think it's important when they're driving back with the package, it is... You really don't need to touch on it, because it is revealed that Seagal knows Dunois is kind of in on this, is like a bad guy, yes, but okay. does nothing with that information. Yes. Like, it no, does not so, matter because he acts as though he doesn't know this, but it straight up shows a yes. flashback revealing that Dunois was, like, with these dudes that jumped them. Yeah, so as they're driving away, Seagal has a flashback to a French nightclub in which 
he saw Dunoir and <laughs> the assassins who jumped through the windows, like hanging out together at this nightclub. Uh, this is not a scene which happened previously in the nope. movie. It is a flashback to a, something we never saw. Uh, this is not the first Seagal movie to do that. I, oof, I cannot remember which other movie did that, but this isn't the first movie to have a flashback to something that we never saw happen. But this is the one with the sickest beats when it does it. The, yeah, the, the French nightclub music is it's pretty bumping. good. Yeah, I apologize. Uh, I thought that was relevant, Hans. It was kind of relevant. That's an interesting thing that happens in this movie. So he, Seagal knows that Dunoir is is out to get him in some way or is in some way in league with these assassins or whatever. But doesn't really um, do anything with the information. Doesn't really do anything with that information. That's kind of a pattern, yeah. which is a little bit explained pretty late in the movie. With like 20 minutes left in the movie, they kind of explain that he is like really – he's a, an illegal killer transporter guy, but also he works by like a code. Uh, and he's apparently very honorable. Um, and so, like, he gets into arguments with different people who want to try and open the package. He's like, no, that we agree that we're not going to do that. We're just going to deliver it to the German guy. That's that's our plan. That's all we're going to do. We're not going to open it. He does eventually open it, but because of other reasons. We will get there. Hopefully. Maybe. We'll see. Um, I'll interrupt so then, a couple dozen more times, don't worry. Yeah, thank you. Um, the guy who originally hired him sends him back to try and take the package to Germany. Um, he, oh, as he's doing that, uh, he tra- he calls the house of uh, Jerome Van Aken, or Aiken. I forget how they pronounce it in the movie. Um, but he can't get a hold of him. Instead, he gets a hold of his wife, Meredith. Uh, and Meredith says, give the package to me. Uh, and Seagal doesn't like that, but he agrees uh, and ends up sending her a fake package. While simultaneously, a, a different assassin uh, is sent after Seagal. Uh, and in a very funny scene, uh, they this okay. This was actually interesting because Seagal gets beaten by this guy. He actually gets captured. Mm. Uh, he like gets hit in the back of the head and tied up, uh, and he almost gets killed by this guy, uh, this this assassin, uh, the stranger. Uh, and then eventually. Like he goes a little back and forth, kind of a actually not a terrible interrogation scene with Seagal and the stranger. Uh, eventually, that leads them to a train station, which is very funny. The sets in this movie are really funny because every building is like a French chateau in the middle of a field. Uh, like this is supposed to be a train station, and it's just like a house in the middle of an empty field. There's no reason for a train station to be here, but whatever. That's just what uh, a country with good public transit looks like, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, and so there, there's a scene where he, so Seagal has apparently made like replicas of the package and hidden them around in places. Like a lot of them. And he convinces this, like a lot of them. And he convinces the stranger, this assassin, uh, who's trying to steal the package. Uh, he convinces him that there's one in like this, uh, train station locker. And so they get it out and they go into the bathroom so he can open it. Uh, and Seagal goes to the urinal, <laughs> and he starts peeing, and the guy's like, steady, steady, and he like, instructs him to pee slower, <laughs> and Seagal does, <laughs> to like buy time and wait for the guy to open the package. 
And so when the stranger opens the package, Seagal immediately dives through a window and the train station explodes. Not just like the bathroom, the whole train station. Like five, 15 explosions happen. Like every window in the whole train station is blown out. And, um, and I'm just going to say, that is when I was on board with this movie. I was just kind of like, eh, I'm here, whatever. It's an, it's a direct video Seagal. The everything about that, because like you described it, is exactly what happens. That he just goes, well, they walk into the bathroom. Seagal walks to the urinal. The guy's like, what are you doing? And he's like, what do you think? And he just starts peeing. And the, and I don't know, the delivery of the stranger, like, steady, steady. <laughs> well, Seagal is just like peeing and they're making eye contact, which you never do at the urinal. And then he just like, yeah, cuts into this package with a knife, like just slashes yeah. it open and just seeing Seagal turn it, the image of him jumping out the window and the whole thing exploding like it was just lined with C4 wall to wall. Like the way he jumps. That's why from, I love this movie. The way he jumps is from perfectly <laughs> vertical to perfectly horizontal. No, it's straight instantly. up. It's straight up like the gag in uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Like it's just the yes, way he jumps out the That's what I thought about. It's like a high bathroom window. Yeah. He just, and he whoop. like, whoop. I love it so much. I like, like rewatched that scene like four times. I'm not gonna lie. Six foot vertical leap from a standing <laughs> position, just through the window. He's an expert. Oh, I also want to say that all the stunt doubles for Seagal are very, very obvious. In this oh, movie. it's the worst uh, it's ever been. Um, it's maybe bad. the second worst. Maybe uh, Ticker was worse, but it's pretty uh, bad. Maybe Ticker was worse, but it's pretty bad. Um, so he escapes from that. Uh, eventually, gets back in contact <laughs> yeah, he with. He escapes from that somehow. <laughs> With uh, Meredith, as there's a different assassin, uh, Mr. Nims. Uh, and Mr. Nims is sent by um, Jared Oliphant, played by Gary Raymond, uh, who was actually, I was looking at his career, very prolific in the 50s through the 70s, mm. was in a lot of like really important movies, actually. I'm very sorry, Gary, uh, that you were in this. It, actually, this was kind of fun. But uh, he was like an old CIA director, basically, who's doing like some dirty dealing on the side. And he sends this assassin after Seagal, uh, Mr. Nims, Mim, sorry, Mr. Mims. Um, Wait, he was also the High Sept in House of Dragon. Oh, my God. Yeah, he was the High Sept in, in House of the Dragon. And he was also in God. Game of Thrones. I forget who he played in Game of Thrones. Um, anyway. anyway, there actually, there's a surprising amount of star power in this. It's just like not as really obvious as the early Seagal films. Yeah. We're only on like the second building explosion. I got to speed this up. <laughs> uh, he gets back in contact with Meredith, uh, confronts her somehow. They eventually... Was this when she was in the bathtub? No, I think that's like way later in the movie, but I might be wrong. Um, Most of what you're... I, I honestly... I don't even remember half the stuff you're talking about, except for the bathroom scene. I... Uh, this is all nonsense to me. No, it's uh, it's genuinely very helpful that you are going through beat by beat in detail with character names. Because my summary would be like, he gets a package and then like everybody just wants this package for two thirds of the movie. Until, well, yeah, no, until that's it. So that's multiple, all I remember structurally. <laughs> there are multiple Pretty different much. factions fighting over the package for different reasons. Right. Uh, and that's what makes it convoluted. So, but ultimately, it's just like he kills an assassin and there's some other assassin with some other motivation. That's yeah, all I remember. so there are multiple teams of assassins sent by different people. So on the one hand, you have Seagal wants the package because he was hired to deliver the package, and he's like an honorable mercenary. Like, that's his thing. 
Uh, and so he's very honorable about it. He's going to get the job done. Um, and then you have um, the the CIA wants the package. Oh, that's what happens next. Uh, that Steven Seagal goes to his father's funeral where he meets up with his brother. Uh, his brother, Sean Cold, play, played by Jeffrey Pierce, who people <laughs> might recognize from The Last of Us, both the video game and the yeah, TV show. Yep. Um, and so he meets up with his brother, Sean, Sean Cold. <sighs> Sean and John uh, Cold, is... who do not look at all like brothers. Do not, not look like they are from the same hemisphere. <laughs> like Seagal might be his uncle. <laughs> like, Maybe. By marriage. But he, but this guy uh, does not talk to that uncle. No, it's a distant um, uncle. I do like in this movie that like the instant Seagal gets on an airplane, he is immediately confronted by agents from the CIA uh, because they immediately recognize who he is and is like, "You can't just get on a plane." That's I mean, what are you thinking? But they let him go because it's his dad's funeral, and they can't really peg him for anything illegal that he's doing, so they just kind of let him go. Um, and he goes to his dad's funeral. He meets up with his brother, Sean. Um, and this is all in Warsaw, in Poland. Uh, but he needs to get to Germany. It's funny because ah, this movie happened? takes place in like three different countries. And they all just very conveniently look a lot like Poland. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the whole thing was shot in Poland. Um, I'm a lot trying of it takes to place remember. in Paris, France. Oh, the, uh, yeah, yeah, a lot of it does take place in Paris. It's, uh, I think the next plot relevant thing is that his brother is, like, instructed to call him up and, like, meet with him. Yeah, um, he has a, so, Seagal has a lot of phone conversations in this movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, where he, like, tells people that the package is in X place and it's definitely not, like, he's holding it or something. It gets a little confusing as the, as the movie goes on, because you never know when which i guess this is in in character that's the strategy right except the audience is also fooled because you never know where the package actually is because steven seagal just constantly lies about where it is throughout the entire movie um like the first so he sent a package to meredith that was it was just a book it was just a bible uh it wasn't the actual package uh and then the second package that we see is actually a bomb um and he's so Seagal is staying at a hotel nearby called Terminus, oh, which is appropriate because like a whole bunch of people die in this hotel. Yeah. Um, knock off Continental. Knock off Continental, except Continental <laughs> that wouldn't exist for a while. No, uh, it exists starting in the 1970s. The the Continental TV show coming out going to flesh out the backstory. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just really excited. Sure. <laughs> I know you are. That's good. It's probably going to be good. Um, I just cannot remember the exact thing that happens next because there are like different factions fighting over the package. So you have like the German guy, um, J Jerome. There's a Jared and there's a Jerome. That honestly, Jerome, that's responsible for a lot of my confusion. It was it was pretty bad. And Jerome Van Aken, who's the guy who's like Seagal was hired to deliver the package mm -hmm, to him. Mm -hmm. Uh, his so he's trying to get the package. His wife, they are estranged. His wife is also trying to get the package. And then the CIA, led by uh, Jared Oliphant, is trying to get the package as well. And then you have Dunoir, who is just like a wild card. Because he's uh, ostensibly revealed that he was like employed by Jerome, but he's also kind of just doing his own thing, doing whatever he wants. So he was supposedly hired by Jerome. 
But also apparently not. At the end of the film, you find out that he's not actually working for Jerome. But he's working for somebody else, but he never reveals who. Mm-hmm. Um, he is, I guess he is the revolver also a lot of this movie. Yeah, you don't. He's just a wild card. Um, you never really know what he's going to do. He just straight up murders many, many people in this movie. Uh, and you never know what he's going to do. Seagal fights off some more assassins, but he doesn't know where they're from. Blows up another building. Mm-hmm. A couple times... He eventually tries to get Dunoir on his side by telling him he's going to give him the package. Uh, and then he finds out that the package is actually a, a black box flight recorder from a plane crash. Now, I do want to talk for a second about how this film was made in 2003 mm. about a suspicious plane crash that people were supposing was an inside job. And it was not a plane crash, but was in fact like a government plot um what are you so implying in, i'm not implying anything <laughs> i'm just saying that this movie was made <laughs> in the early 2000s about a suspicious yeah. plane crash um and it just seemed a little little on the nose although little on the nose it really kind of resembles the like missing malaysian flight more than it does like anything from the early 2000s this is true yeah um, because is it but so the, is it okay yeah. if I just like jump ahead on that like it's the billionaire yeah. guy paid to have the plane like taken down with missiles so that's why they're all after well this. he says he didn't well oh <laughs> oh, oh well, if he so, said okay he no so so here's okay. here's what happened um, the CIA wants the black box because I think the CIA took the plane down uh, Jerome the German guy wants the black box because he is being blamed for crashing the plane because on the plane was his wife's uh, secret lover Mm -hmm. who so Meredith his wife wants the black box because she thinks it will prove that her husband killed her lover it's also worth mentioning the lover was like an engineer who was working for these the billionaire was building these fertilizer plants which were really creating biochemical weapons and this guy which is why the cia wanted to shoot it yeah and that's my and this guy was gonna like leak it so the thing was because at the Mm -hmm. end the billionaire says like i just learned that like she was his lover that's not why i killed him i killed him because i had these front like shell things that were gonna make biochemical weapons and he was gonna reveal this as an engineer well he doesn't say that that's he doesn't say he's gonna, he that he did it. He said I wouldn't kill oh, a yeah, 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 bunch yeah. of innocent he, people he, on that. He plane. definitely tiptoes around it, but what mm-hmm. if he is the one who did it, the reason it would be it, yeah. he says like, Oh, I wanted this guy dead, he was gonna reveal this thing, but yeah. I, I didn't order I wouldn't have a dozen people killed to kill this like one guy. Yeah. Um and then so eventually uh Meredith like takes their child and runs away to Norway. Steven Seagal is hired to like take the kid back and give uh, her back to uh, her father, Jerome. Um, but other assassins show up to like kill them both. Uh, and so he stops those assassins, rescues Meredith and her child. Uh, and Dunoir ends up killing, killing Jerome. Um, and then they all live happily ever after. Uh, all the bad guys except for Dunoir are dead. And Meredith runs away with her child. And at the end of the movie, we just see uh, Steven Seagal sitting on a boat, sadly. 
a really tiny boat. Yeah, a really weirdly um, small boat. Or a really weirdly like a man. weirdly small boat. Uh, there's Steven Seagal just reading a letter from Meredith saying, thank you, but I'm leaving. Um, and he just sits on his weirdly small boat, and then the movie ends. Uh, and that's, I think that's The Foreigner. No, that, okay, I <laughs> both oh, understood man. it more than I did, but also that really helped just having it laid out, because truthfully, like I said, I just got so mixed oh. up with how many different, like, fingers on this pie, how many different, like, Jeromes and Jareds and Jonathans there were, that I, at, like, I just accepted, I'm just like, okay, Seagal has his package, people want the package, he's gonna just keep foiling them until the end when the package... <laughs> no, there are reasons that right people person. want the package. It's not... I, I know there I'm are, not gonna yeah. say it's, like, a super well-told but story. But you don't need to know the, the mean, reasons to get the movie. No. Uh, I mean, the best parts of the movie really have nothing to do with the plot. The best parts of the movie are how, you know, Seagal, under threat of violence, pees slower uh, <laughs> and then jumps through a window as the train station explodes. Or, like, the... Uh, how he is apparently a really, really good shot in one scene. And then in the very next scene, he has a shotgun. He's like six feet, six feet away from somebody and can't hit anything. He misses like four times. Yeah. Um, yeah. I truthfully, the part of this movie that I enjoyed is just that I, at some point I realized it was like, it was just a string of like some assassin, some paid person getting the jump and like having the advantage on Seagal and then him turning it around with like a Looney Tunes style like gag, like with a Wiley e. Coyote and Roadrunner like type like gag. That's how he like gets out. And it's just a yeah. series of those, except they kind of get like they peak and then get like less ridiculous, like kind of boring over time. Mm-hmm. But just like, oh, this guy has a jump on him. What's go- like he's just going to do something now and get out of it. It happens like five times in the movie. And that was yeah. kind of entertaining. The first time is the steady now steady now the like package explosion in the bathroom that was very funny i enjoyed yeah. that later on there's an assassin who has him cornered and Seagal says well instead of this package i have this like cd full of offshore like you know swiss accounts i'll give you millions of dollars <laughs> yeah. and then he pull he leads the guy through an empty warehouse and then he does actually have a cd but he throws the cd at the guy and it just explodes, <laughs> and, it explodes. and blasts this guy backwards out a window <laughs> <laughs> they showed him setting that up. He he packed some kind of explosive on the back of it. That doesn't it make it there. not ridiculous. <laughs> I'm joking. Like I just say it's not spontaneous though. That one at the very least they did set up. That one they did set up. Um, and then I freak, there's like two or three more because. But then after that they're not as fun because it's like, honestly, this dude his weakness. If you wanted to take out CIA agent the foreigner Jonathan John Cold. You just need to be a dude with a gun standing more than like four feet away from him because <laughs> yeah. multiple times he just kind of does like a, he just like knocks a flips a gun around Doesn't in someone's hand move. and then like shoots them yeah. with it upside down like that shotgun where he can flip it be holding it upside down hit the guy point like perfectly and just like mm-hmm. splatter out a bunch of red you know jello and then miss the next <laughs> it like, was very jello and then miss like the next seven shots yeah but if you're not in if if you're not in a keto range you this guy can't touch you he can't do anything no he's dead well so it's so funny like in this movie if he's holding a gun like upside down and firing it with his pinky he is an expert marksman if he is just like standing still shooting at a target that's just moving at like a walking speed eight feet away he will miss four times before he hits anything but yeah i just i don't know a bunch of things exploded and he just kind of foiled a bunch of assassins in succession i stopped caring about what was actually happening and i was just kind of here for those vibes and yeah i had a fun time mm-hmm. but okay so here's i want to say something about seagal 
in this in this movie specifically that I haven't seen from him in other movies. I wrote down in my notes that Seagal seems happy. Yeah. Like he doesn't look miserable making this movie. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. Like he I guess seems you're right. like he wanted to make this. And even just like there's a really simple scene where he's just sitting down with Sean, his brother, and they're just talking about their dad for a second. And they're just like sharing a glass of whiskey and talking about their dad. It's like a 30 second scene, but Seagal like smiles for a second and it seems genuine, at least compared to what I've seen from the past 13 movies. Um, and I was just, I was just happy for him for a second. Well, I mean, <laughs> maybe this is like somewhat related, but I, the one thought I kind of had while watching this movie specifically is that like I had an idea in my head of what a Seagal movie was, like not having yeah. really watched much Seagal. Truth be told, before we did this podcast, I really just kind of generally held in my head like, oh yeah, you have like the Schwarzeneggers and the Van Dams and the Seagals. I didn't realize he was never actually like he was not even close to their tier. Like no, I didn't. I, I, I'm in the same boat. I had this like wrong idea of Seagal, I, but I kind of had an impression of what a Seagal movie was from just kind of generally being aware of the guy. And this was yeah. much more of what I thought a Seagal movie was than like any of the past movies we've seen. Like, mm-hmm. like you said, Seagal doesn't show up for the first 10 minutes. And like when he does show up, yeah. he's like in a hotel room with, I like, I believe a sex worker. Like he's just with a naked yeah. woman who's getting dressed and she leaves. So I'm just like, okay, just gratuitous, completely unnecessary female nudity, just running yeah. around shooting things with shotguns, just like unnecessary explosions, a plot that doesn't really matter. Cool one-liners. Like, I'm not saying this was good, but I watched this. I was like, oh, this is like what I thought we were getting into like 14 movies ago. And none Mm -hmm. of them really were truly what I thought like Seagal was going into this. This is the first one. So maybe that's it. Maybe like he goes direct to video and they're like, yeah, okay. There's no like studio directives anymore. Just make whatever movie he wants. And maybe that lets him have a good time. He just has his own company. He has like some kind of like Russian money laundering scheme. And they said, just I don't want to do whatever (laughs) you want. And it's the kind of Adam Sandler approach where he's just like going on vacation with his buds. Yeah, like I'm looking at my notes, I said Seagal looks happier here. Like he's not under so much pressure. Mm. Like he can just sit in a room and have a conversation with somebody and just like act. Uh, To be fair, he's not doing it like great. (laughs) No, he's not doing it like super well, but he doesn't look like he's in pain trying to act. Like grimacing uh, through every line, yeah. Yeah, he's he's just acting. I I I don't know. I think this is the first movie that I've seen him do acting, and he didn't seem like it was a chore. A, a chore, yeah. uh, like it was really hard for him. Like he could just be an actor on screen. I don't know what the difference is. I don't know what changed. I just felt. It just felt much more natural to him in this movie than in the past 13. Like, the last 13 movies have just felt like he's really, really, really trying. Uh, and it's really, really hard for him to act. And in this one, it just felt way more natural. I don't know. Like, he was in his element in this one. Maybe he just liked being in Poland. I have no idea. Um, this was uh, directed by... a polish director michael Oblowitz. Um, yeah a ton of the production crew is polish um this is very much a, a polish production yeah. 
um, with actors from all over the world, uh, mostly Europe and places. But so it's a very international cast. It was really interesting. It was kind of like an interesting thing. I had a good time. And something I, I didn't hate it. Something just to talk about the kind of more technical aspects since like mentioned the director there. Yeah. Moving on from Mexicall himself. The thing that mm-hmm. was interesting to me is that it made some choices with the direction, the yeah. cinematography, and the editing, and those don't always work, yeah. but they are choices. Like I was kind of getting annoyed at the movie for the first third because it had this habit of like Sometimes it's pretty often that, like, you have the object of focus kind of more in the background and then, like, mm-hmm. some objects out of focus closer to the camera and it, like, gives the image depth. Um, yeah. This movie would do that, but, like, 70% of the frame would be taken up by some <laughs> out-of-focus objects. And it yeah, did that. So, like, it was, like, pissing me off. When you first meet uh, his original employer, whose name I forget. It doesn't matter. He dies, like, 20 minutes in the movie. Dunoir kills him because... If you need someone dead, oh, it was Mar- just Mar- kills him. Doesn't matter what Marquet, side he's on. Marcou, Marquis, Marca, Marca. Something like that. Something like that, yeah. Where? I don't know. Alec wasn't it Alexander Marquis Marcou? Uh, yeah. He's gone by Marquis. his last name. Yeah. Um, but uh, if you need somebody dead in this movie, Dunoir can kill him. No one knows what side Dunoir's on. It's fine. And so when you first meet him, they're like having. He's having dinner. Well. He's having dinner. The table is set as if Seagal is going to eat dinner, but Seagal doesn't eat. Um, and so, like, there's a shot of Marquis, and it's, like, mostly this suckling pig. Yeah. And a big glass of wine. Yeah. Like, most of the shot is the food and the glass of wine. And then you have, like, a quarter of the frame is the guy's head. And I just remember, like, later on, it's even worse because I couldn't even tell what the object was. It was so out of focus, but it was, like, taking up the whole frame. He was, like, on the phone or something. Um, it mm-hmm. was that, and the other things I'm, I noticed were, like, these fast cuts they would put in. Like, anytime it happens other times, but mainly anytime a character is, like, pointing a gun at someone else and is, like, about to pull the trigger, it will, Ooh, like... There was a really specific way that they Rapid did that. fire. It would kind of, like, rapid fire, rapid fire, rapid fire, rapid fire, rapid fire, like, cut between the two. Like, person, 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 yeah. person, person, person. And it didn't matter because it could be, like, an assassin and Seagal, like, the plot-relevant characters. Or it could be, mm-hmm. um... At one point, they're trying to track Seagal by the rented car he's using, and so they, yeah. like, chase down the car, and then a guy gets out of it, and this assassin, like, pulls the gun on him, and it's not Seagal, and the guy's like, oh, this man had the car, and he paid me $2,000 to drive it to Germany for him. We swapped cars. So this is just some random bystander background character, but it does this flash, 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 flash and then the guy shoots him. Like, it's completely, it doesn't matter if this guy dies or not to the plot. This is completely inconsequential, so... but it gives it the same mm-hmm. weight as, like, a main character face off with guns and it's so oh. intense and it is like legitimately a like epileptic seizure warning it is and it's <laughs> it's really bad when that happens and it happens really often yeah. but to me at least worse than that and only slightly like worse there was a lot of slow-mo in this movie oh and it was a lot of extremely yeah. unnecessary slow-mo like, like a it would jump back and you, you would have one of those weird smash cuts that you were just talking about and then it would do like you'd go from that crazy fast cutting back and forth to immediately after whatever that led up to somebody being shot usually immediately after that then it would be them falling to the ground incredibly slowly or like a gun leaving their hand incredibly slowly and it's just oh and like half the time filmed at a higher rate so it's at least somewhat smooth like the other half of the time like just filmed at like 24 frames a second so it's jittery that's that's actually a really good point because in the past anytime there was slow-mo in any of these other movies it was just like normal frame rate just slowed down so it looked really bl- splotchy this didn't 
but it was still not good. So I thought, uh, I thought like in this movie, we, I was, so there was a lot of slow-mo in this movie. And some of it is shot at maybe like 48 frames and then slowed down to 24. Uh, and some of it is shot at like 24 and slowed down to like 12 or something. Yeah. So you have like these weird moments. But it, I don't think there was a point, at least I didn't feel that there was any moment in this movie like we've seen in other movies where it's just doing slow-mo to pad for time. Like it, it they're not just like filling out time Be- like they're true. trying to emphasize a moment because they so I like, did it for similar things it wasn't arbitrary yeah it's always like when a guy gets shot and falls off a bridge into water yeah. like it'll always do the slow-mo uh or like whenever they pour gasoline on a house when they throw the gas cans down onto the ground it's always in slow-mo yeah um and so it seemed consistent enough that it felt like yeah. an artistic right. decision and not just like random it, editing it, things it felt like an artistic decision but not in it this Maybe one a great one but well, no, 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 i'm not i'm not i'm not disagreeing with you i'm just thinking out loud like this it reminds me very much of the last one of what was the last one called half past dead. dead half past dead yeah reminded me very much of that and that it's like they're they're tr- someone had it in their head that the matrix just happened a few years ago and that's still really cool and we can get people with that although I don't know. This felt I more just, like it Crank to me. Which, ooh, by the way, Hans, you need to watch Crank. Hans, you need to watch the movie Crank. You'll love it. Um, something that I think kind of does help with this a little bit with the weird cutting in the slow-mo. When I look at Michael Oblowitz, I see that his movement that he has attributed to is no wave, which is a, a pun on like the new wave. This was like response to the new wave, which uh, emphasizes transient avant-garde music and visual arts. So he is yeah, like that, an avant-garde like artist. Yeah. And that mm-hmm. kind of explains some of these decisions to me. I felt that. So, like, okay, when you're talking about, like, the weird super rapid editing on certain moments where someone kills someone, the blocking is almost always the same. Yes, like, exactly. Exactly the same. Um, like holding the gun. And so it's, in the same way. he's holding a gun, like, full arm extended. And also, the character shooting is angry. They're firing mm-hmm. out of anger. Uh, oh, okay. And so, okay. like, yeah. when yeah, right, yeah. Mr. Mims kills that random guy who got swapped out for Seagal, he kills him because he is mad. He Not because it's fool. like a logical decision, but he was fooled, and so he's mad, so he just kills this guy out of anger. When Seagal, quote unquote, kills Dunoir for the second time, uh, he's mad at Dunoir for trying to kill him earlier in that scene. Uh, and so it does that, and then rage kill, basically. Yeah. So for me, it felt like it was just trying to emphasize the emotionality mm, of the scene. Okay. And I'm not saying it's like a great piece of art, but I, for me, when I watched it, it was pretty effective in yeah. making me realize okay. that this is done out of anger. This isn't like a rational moment. Because every other time when someone's killing somebody, except for Dunoir, it's like a, a rational decision. Like, someone's doing a mission, someone is, is doing something. But when that happens, they're acting out of emotionality. And so it's a break in the cinematic language to show a break in the mm. emotion. Ugh. Or maybe I'm just giving this way too much artistic no, but no, I, don't no, no, no. I don't think you are, because I'm, I'm, I'm angry right now, because you're right, and I don't want you is to your, be right. Is your, 
Are you like cutting back and forth? <laughs> He's, the I, <laughs> He's ready. To, well, yeah. Well, this has been a very Aaron and Zach dominated podcast. So let's go, Hans. Let's rapid cut. Let's just go ahead. Yeah. What do you feel? Tell us all your I, thoughts. I I freaking Dump hated this one. On this I movie. really I did not enjoy this movie. I like I said earlier. I just kept <laughs> I kept looking at how much time was left because I was like, man, I don't understand what's happening. I don't want to understand what's happening. I really don't care. I can't follow the characters. I can't even follow the names. Uh, the the one guy <laughs> with the the guy that was smoking the whole time. I don't even know what his name is, but man, he was great in every scene he was in, and every <laughs> other scene was like, oh my god, I just can't deal with this. I had this might be the the least amount of notes that I've taken for any of these movies. So we'll, I'll I'll just run down through them real quick. We are we already hit the like excessive slow mo, face close ups. Even outside of the smash cut, like boom 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 boom, like shooting whatever. There were so many unnecessary, like even just like they're sitting across from the dinner table from one another. They're sitting across the desk from one another. They're sitting across from like the room from one another, whatever. And they're like really close in on the face of each person. Mm. I don't know why it just bothered me. That's fair. I think it's making, it makes like deliberately uncomfortable cinematography decisions. Yeah, it really did. Oh, okay. There's. I'm sorry. No, 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 you're good. For a second. So there's the scene where um, they're, huh? <laughs> what? I'm gonna edit this part out. Can okay. you say your thing and then I want to say a thing. Okay. There's the scene. There's the scene where they're blowing up the big um, like empty warehouse thing mm. that Seagal brings them to oh, on yeah. a couple of different occasions. And the CIA, I guess CIA, they come in because his watch yeah. set off a signal that told them where he was. It's like a dead they, man switch kind of thing. Yeah, they had been looking for him for a while, didn't know how to get in contact with them. Then he gives them his location. They show up immediately, and then they don't track him after that. Well, they just show, they show up, up just immediately. C4 to blow up the place, and then go, yeah. cool, we're done. <laughs> yeah, and I just I didn't understand it at all. It didn't make any sense to me. But whatever, you know, we'll we'll, we'll slip past that part that doesn't make any sense to move into the next part that doesn't make any sense because that happens immediately after Seagal was fighting. What was his name? Boudoir. 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 Mister Boudoir. Ooh, ooh la la. Yeah, like a French dressing yeah, sexy, room. Sexy, sexy, sexy. Yeah, he just gets done fighting him in this place, and uh, he's like passed out on the ground. Um, wow, in the boudoir. <laughs> yeah, he's passed out on the ground. The CIA show up, so he hides. He doesn't bolt out of the he building. Hides he hides. Poorly. Yeah, he hides incredibly <laughs> poorly. Like he's just like sort of sitting behind a barrel with a crate on top of it, and the CIA agents come in and they start setting C four just randomly around the whole building, and. You think they're trying to blow the building up. So what do they do? They place these big C4 packs just real haphazardly on top of a bunch of barrels. Not on the walls, not on anything structural, like not on the floor. From yeah, and they're talking about, you know, setting final charge. They're saying what they're doing out loud, setting final charge. And they just kind of lay it on top I of the barrel that. right next to this guy. And he is not less than a foot and a half away from the CIA agent hiding behind, like, a slatted crate that you can absolutely see behind. It, and they don't see him somehow? I don't it know. It kind of feels like Dunoir is, like, the main character in, like, a Metal Gear Solid, like, stealth game where the NPCs That's have exactly to be dumb thinking. as rocks. Thinking, like, time to I, go place these okay. charges and then leave. The entire time I was thinking this guy might as and well just, just have a cardboard box over top of him and they would never it. notice if it moved. It's okay. absolutely ridiculous. So they blow the place up and he like manages to run out of there right before it blows up. It was just awful. 
Dunoir is the key to unlocking this movie. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> and so, the key to enjoying this movie. Okay, you said you said that uh, you thought maybe this was just like they are still thinking the Matrix is cool and kind of aping on the Matrix. I would say with Half Past Dead, you're 100% right. I think this movie is what if an avant-garde filmmaker wanted to make a schlocky action movie but inspired by the aesthetics of leon the professional oh dunoir is just like a leon ripoff he's just a leon ripoff but like chaotic yeah he well he's like one of the bad guys from leon the professional with kind of the vague aesthetic of leon the professional yeah Yeah. i so like i think the color grading is it's not quite leon it's, I Actually, mean, it's not as rich as that. Leon the professional. No, okay. this is going okay, right so over my head. Watch Leon the Professional. That's why I said yeah, I'm going to yeah. be uh, like film nerd for a little bit. Okay. I think like a lot of the color grading and the aesthetics and the costumes, like the like late, like the turn of the millennium kind of French Eastern European aesthetic made me think of Leon the Professional. No, if Gary Oldman's uh, so, character what showed if you up take... from Leon the Professional, he would fit in here. Yeah, what if you take Leon the Pro- like, like, take Leon the Professional, take the aesthetics of that film, have an avant-garde filmmaker do it, so you get all these crazy like back-and-forth cuts and judicious use of slow-mo, uh, but then also you're trying to do that in the genre of schlocky action movie, you get The Foreigner starring Steven Seagal. Well, and unlike Leon the Professional, there is approximately zero ephibophilia in this movie so in and if anything yeah. it's slightly better than leon the professional in in that one <laughs> regard at least not in any other regards not in like cinematography or editing or writing or acting or performance or directing but in the not having the main character have a romance with 14 year old natalie portman way this movie's edges it out a little bit <laughs> and i read that they tried to make it so that uh, where this isn't a Leon the Professional podcast. Well, okay. I uh, when I first I had... watched Leon the Professional, I read all about how they intentionally wrote his character so he mm-hmm. was not attracted to fourteen year old Natalie Portman. But then I read that in real life, the yeah. writer and the director of the movie married and impregnated a fifteen year old. So, oh well, I'm throwing that out the okay. window. They said, "Oh, but it's <laughs> okay. like it's like art," and I said, "No, no, <laughs> no." Luc Besson oh. is well, that doesn't happen. In Luc this Besson movie. is a terrible man. Oh, truly horrid. Well, that that doesn't happen in this no. movie. It aped, I think it apes, I think it's aping the aesthetic of Leon the Professional. Yeah. So thank you all for joining. And that, that's sort of like yeah. thank you for joining yeah. Aaron I'll, Hans I'll take and your Zach, word for the it. Professionals, uh, our fan <laughs> podcast of Leon the Professional, where we disparage <laughs> the the good name of Luke Besson. Doesn't uh, sound like it's such a good name. <laughs> he did make the fit. Yeah, I'll though. I'll take your word for it. I I can. That this one definitely doesn't follow the or doesn't want to be like the matrix as much as the last one did just the, all of the slow-mo shots really really had me going there um but i will say i the, we, we can't really i can't really and i don't know i don't want to speak for aaron here but i can't really disagree with you like everything you said is true it's just very much that i said none of this makes sense no, none nothing happening matters i can't keep track of the characters the acting's not great but it's okay you just said these are That's all fine. problems, and I'm gonna have problems with them. I said these are all problems, and I'm like, eh, but it's like you know, it ain't nothing. 
So I can't disagree. Yeah, whatever. And where? Okay, so here's here's my th- thought process yeah. behind this. Why I had such a terrible time, and and why, why I think Aaron at least Zach. I can't say this for you, but why I think Aaron at least has been relatively upbeat about the last few that we watched, with the exception of Ticker, because that was oh. just awful. That was just awful. Yeah. It was a horrible time. Bad. Was time I upbeat about the last few? Mm-hmm. I don't remember having this much fun in a while. You were. I don't think anybody has been as sure. down on them as I have been. I, I was. You kind of flip flopped on the last, the last one. Time so here's, I really here's my thought: down was like the fire down below era. Like I don't know. We kind of got like yeah. They're not yeah working for me there. Anyway, here's my thought: you you and I have been doing a lot of work to put together our our Plex server. So I've been mm-hmm. watching. I've been streaming a lot of movies from mm-hmm. our Plex okay. server. Okay. I've been watching That's a lot fair. of movies that aren't Seagal movies in my I, spare yeah. time. Just this past, like, uh, what was it? Two, two or three weeks ago, we watched John Wick. Aaron didn't. John Wick Chapter Four. I'm. No. N- I have that sort of like. Uh, okay. I don't know. I don't know how to. I don't know how to say it. But I my. You saw a really my good movie, movie that rating takes place system. In Paris, France, and then this is a very bad action movie that takes place in Paris. Yeah. France. Yeah, so like my movie rating system in my head, based on on what I have seen recently, is extremely different whereas the only movies Aaron's seen for a while are just Seagal movies <laughs> then yeah, uh, just this Babylon. past week I rewatched Babylon. all three uh what was over the weekend and then yesterday I think it was I went through all of the original Bourne trilogy mm. so again oh man oh, no. like some very good way. action movies Eek. some very good action movies that take place in Eastern Europe and it's you know I <laughs> Coming from those to this, it was a very yeah, because huge you're, contrast. You're like seeing the lesser. You're seeing like this just as a pair. Like I think it's not even just that you're watching good movies. It is very specifically the movies that you're watching. You're coming down from John Wick Chapter yeah. Four and like the Bourne movies. You are seeing the lesser version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. Gotta, and I, you, I think that's an interesting way that I'm. Some, I'm just. Like, I'm seeing this like very indie, differently. Like, watch some uh, abstract like German expressionist films, and then you won't have that problem. Yeah. <laughs> No, so, like, I think as long as we're doing this experiment, you just shouldn't watch other action movies. Yeah. That's, like, that, I'm, I, that can't happen. Well, because you'll, no, you'll, because it'll just make all the Seagal movies it's that Whiplash. much worse. I'm okay with yeah. that, honestly. You should watch Whiplash instead, <laughs> so you don't have this kind of <laughs> Whiplash was great. You should watch Whiplash. It has nothing yeah. to do with any, like, That's, aesthetically, uh, you, thematically, you nothing and, to do with any of these movies. You and Zach have both told me to watch Whiplash, Zach, uh, many, many times. And any time oh, it ever comes up, if Sarah's in the room, <laughs> she says, absolutely not. You should not watch that movie. It's a terrible she's movie. She's literally not she even so She's, like, in a staff meeting right now, and I'm just, like, I can sense her. She's, like, uh... <laughs> uh, psych, uh, not psychologically she's like psychically sensing like what's going on she's gonna text you like don't Such watch my movie. um but no watch you it's say funny. that funny i love sarah i think we have exact opposite taste in movies yeah, but... Like different. <laughs> but watch you say that like i'll watch whiplash has nothing to do with it and the next movie you watch steven seagal is like in music academy and like he's <laughs> <laughs> trying to be a jazz trying musician to be a dr- well he is trying to be a jazz musician so that yeah he happen. is <laughs> Um, he's I gotta... living whiplash he doesn't need to make a movie about it that's true well I think for your theory Hans I think he could be onto something I don't know if that can like truly account for all of it or not Hans I don't um, think that's all of it I just think that that's a little bit of the uh, why I have such a heavy contrast in these well but I was yeah. gonna say but you said to it was true for Aaron, Aaron not for me I think that could explain some of the difference between you and Aaron I think though for me it's just what I've realized I with um, Under Siege 2 
and with this one being like the two mm-hmm. that I enjoyed the most, it can be as bad as every other Seagal movie. But if it's like dumb with it, if it is just completely dumb and they just like throw in random explosions <laughs> for no reason, you know and it's like cartoonishly ridiculous. If it's like self-serious and bad and ridiculous, I have a terrible time. I want to turn it off and count it down the minutes. As long as it's just like goofy, I'm actually here for it. That's I can tell you, you know the reason what? why I'm okay with it. I can agree with you on that because I I was not really on board with Under Siege two, and I can't honestly at this point I, I can't love, remember that's why. My favorite so oh far, yeah, by far. It, and but, I, so I but think you're this right. Is, it was this goofy. is the common thread between Aaron and I is that as long as it's like yeah. goofy, and I'm just like he just threw an explosive CD at this guy and blew him out a window. <laughs> I'm still gonna give maybe, it like maybe two that's... stars max, but I'm gonna have a good time. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's my Two problem. Maybe I need to view these in a different light because that I didn't care for that one either. But you're right; it was goofy, and that's it's a difference between. I I know we keep comparing it to Ticker, but Ticker was just so unbelievably yeah, bad. bad. It was bad. This I mean, one is, was so yeah. bad that it's it's at least it's it's comical. Like it's so bad that it's good in, in you certain just need to ways. Watch and I, I can definitely get on board with that. Like Elmer Fudd or something. Yeah, I yeah, I can definitely like, get on board with that. I don't think the foreigner is so bad. It's good. I just, it's just, it's just not very good as a film. Yeah. But I enjoy. It, it's it. not so bad. Like, it's good. Like it's not the room. It's more just like mediocre, <laughs> but has like funny, ridiculous elements. I, yeah, I have to watch like, the room. It has room some too. stuff in it that I really like. Yeah. Uh, would I enjoy those elements more if they were in a different movie? Sure, but I still enjoyed them. <laughs> yeah. But no, this is like okay. you know there what? are like three yeah, movies yeah, right. so far. I would willingly like take my time to rewatch, and this is one of them. Yeah. Uh, what oh, else? Oh, and just for context, dear reader, listener. Uh, dear listener, <laughs> dear reader. Since we started fans. this experiment, the only other movie that I've seen is Babylon. Uh, not a way. <laughs> and he okay, hated to be it. fair, you have mixed some prestige television in there, so like, I have mixed some prestige. The Last of the Us last counts of for us. like three or four movies. Like, sure. I uh, we need a name for hey, our and fan base. Jeffrey Pierce played Sean yeah. Cold. Uh, Steven Seagal's brother was in the last. So we of can us. go to the, our actors' corner, but real quick, we need a we yeah, need a name for our listeners. The I'm 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 thinking of calling them the Hero Dolls because it's Steven Seagal. Our our loyal fans, oh. the, our Hero Dolls, oh, the audience at home. Ugh. But you wanted to say something, Hans? I'm sorry. That was that was my tangent. I'm done. Uh, I just have there's uh everybody had suppressors, but only when it was convenient. Yeah. Oh, they didn't. No, they so had silencers. Many times. Those were silencers. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> they made the uh, what was his name? I uh, du- Dunoir. Yeah, he had on. at one point he had a, a suppressed rifle, some kind of rifle, and it made the exact same yeah. noise that the pistols <laughs> did of an entirely different caliber. They, yeah. <laughs> they really were silencers, but they That's all how they work right. They all had them, but at different times. Like you would you would see them in one shot, yeah. they would have the suppressor yeah. on the gun, and then in the very next shot, where they're like running from one place to another, it's not an entirely different location. The very next shot, they wouldn't have it anymore, and it's only there when it's convenient. But they all have them all the time, yeah. and they don't necessarily use them when it would make sense, because there were a couple times like when uh uh. I can't remember. It doesn't matter. There were a couple of times where he, he uh, Dubois, Dubois, whatever, he used it. He like had a suppressor on when it made sense, and there were a couple of times where he just straight up murdered people in public without a suppressor. Didn't matter. Oh, I love how uh, it's uh, it's Mr. Mims who does this, not Dunoir. Uh, but he goes into the hotel where 
Seagal is staying, and he shoots and kills the receptionist. Yeah. Uh, and then the next day, there's a new receptionist. <laughs> <at> the <desk. laughs> like, pretended like nothing happened. Oh, I completely didn't even talk to the new. They don't even talk to the new receptionist. You don't even see like a, a nope. scene like in the background that was like police like taking questions or something. Oh, it is Dune Martin no. does that, I think. Well, I also remember there's the yeah. one that stuck out to me. Uh, he's like infiltrating the place, and there's like a French like waitress. Because what is mm-hmm. it? He, like, shoots her, but, like, in a way that he, like, makes sure that, like, she doesn't drop the, the tray. And as she's falling, what is he? Yeah, he yeah. puts his, he sneaks up behind her and he puts says, his hand under the tray. Yes, that's what it is. Bon appetit. Yeah. Bon appetit, madame, as well. That might have been my favorite line. Yeah. Totally unnecessary. Never mention again. Oh, so many. This might be the most, like, unnecessary deaths. Like, not even the most deaths in a Seagal movie, but just so many people, like... Yeah, just unnecessary. Even at the end, he's, like, infiltrating the billionaire's compound, but these are just, like, security guards. They're not in on the conspiracy. Like, he just killed, like, eight, like, salarymen. Yeah. Like, so many people that just didn't need to die died. I have a question for both of you. A very important question. Did Seagal run in this movie? He does some light Aikido, but he does not run. I was I was looking for it. It, it doesn't happen. happen. I don't think so either. It I I marked out a timestamp, and I. <laughs> you don't have to, but I really think it's worth going back. If you go to one hour sixteen minutes thirty five seconds, he does this really funny waddle. <laughs> like <laughs> his stunt double did run backwards, but he had to be running backwards so that you couldn't see his face. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up here. We might might have to edit around this but i feel like you have to look at it it's one minute six i'm sorry one hour 16 minutes 35 seconds they're breaking into the place and uh but <laughs> what's his name dubois wow come Dunoir. on <laughs> he's in trouble seagal comes over to save him and he does this like waddle from the door where he's at over to the guy oh i remember this i do remember this because it, it was weird Shuffles. then he kind of just like you said, just <laughs> his way over. I'm, I'm just now pulling it back up. <laughs> he's not even trying. But I mean, he's gonna he do spoiler. That he kills Boudoir <laughs> like half a half a scene later. So yeah, or he, yeah. no, he doesn't actually. He kind of tries to. There it is. Lives. I had to go back and rewatch this to get the he's time code, the and sequel. I'm going back and rewatching it now. And he really does. He does this little like. And they they only the the camera's on his like torso and up, but the way his shoulders move, you can see it's this, it's like a jog, but it's not. It's like his feet are staying flat with the ground as he waddles over to yeah. to the guy. And that was as he is saving uh, Dunoir, as played by Max Ryan, who we'd later see on in Death Race and Sex in the City too. What an excellent transition to talking about the other actors. In that this was film. perfect, like, even though I gave you the <laughs> perfect yeah. segue like ten minutes ago. But anyway. Uh, one of the notes before we get into like specific. Actors, I just gave the you the perfect segue. <laughs> Wait a minute! I actually, I actually have something else to ruin your segue one more time. The segue is like Dunoir. It'll come. Back. Oh yeah, yeah. We have like three or four like segues, and they're all working for different people. I'm gonna send you and in classic. Uh, I actually haven't done this in a couple episodes, but in classic me fashion or fashion, I'm gonna send you a screenshot, and I'm gonna have to put it in the. <laughs> show notes here so we can put a link to the screenshot in the episode description oh (laughs) yes 
He's taken apart in one part. He opens the box. And first of all, he opens the box in the most ridiculous possible way. Like he takes out his knife and like cuts a big X across it. <laughs> he cuts it like an X. Yes. Yeah, and I don't understand Why? what kind of person opens a box that way. It doesn't make any sense. But he opens up the box and he sees all the stuff in the box about the flight recorder or whatever. He starts opening up the flight recorder and he whips out a pocket knife to like unscrew the the screws on the flight recorder thing. And the only thing that I could think about was. The video, the the uh, PC build video from the, the Verge. from the Verge. <laughs> oh no! What you'll need for this build is a, a pocket knife with hopefully a Phillips head screwdriver in it, <laughs> and, and, an anti-static elastic uh, Livestrong bracelet, <laughs> a couple of tweezers that are <laughs> um, all. Okay, that's a risk. This is a really, really that's deep solid cut. That would make no all sense. All I could think of when I saw the scene was that the one, like, well, it's not the only scene he's inside, but for this inside scene, he's wearing these ridiculous red sunglasses that he does not wear at any other point in the movie. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. I was too focused in and on the They've body. done that before where that. he, need, the first he thing needs to do something and he wears glasses. This one, they're sunglasses. I don't know why he's wearing sunglasses. Oh, they're yeah. not protective. And, no, they're, um, they're just his transitions. They uh, haven't faded yeah, out yeah, yet. Yeah, for yeah. The, it's like me and for the being Patriot. inside. In the Patriot, he puts on yeah. the glasses so that he, he does can it when he's like, yeah, when he's at the computer, make his dope. Yeah. Uh, he even does that in another movie. I can't ID. remember which one, but this one, there's sunglasses, but they're not protective. They're not. That's what stuck out to me. No. Okay. Um, anyway. uh, hey, actors and actresses that went on to do better things. That was a perfect yeah, transition. So, uh, I have a note about this. <laughs> I have a note about this in my notes yeah. for this episode. Um, I think it's adorable that I, you two I guys said, are still taking notes. Thanks. I don't. Otherwise, uh, I don't remember I anything. This movie if made I, no sense if, to me. It still barely makes any sense to me. If I don't remember something, I was simply not meant to remember it. <laughs> <laughs> just forget things like a man. Yeah. Um, but um, I just follow my, uh, the flow of the universe, the ebb and the flow of. Uh, it's really getting your zen. Yeah. On. Zach, I know you. That's absolutely not how you operate. It, it's how I've been operating for this po- since like episode four of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> anyway your notes anyway. anyway in my show notes um i wrote uh that they're like i'm not seeing anybody and saying like oh hey look it's danny trejo mm-hmm. or like yeah. oh look it, not even like oh tuco or like you know? oh that guy but, i know him from somewhere but like every almost everyone in this movie was like vaguely familiar was like i've seen this person in something maybe okay, i'm not 100 percent sure well and so i started looking through like all of their imdb pages and 100 percent, it is like i saw you and an episode of television 10 uh... years ago and that's that's why you look familiar to me so like uh meredith van aken the german mm-hmm. guy's mm-hmm. wife uh who is like kind of against Seagal at some points and sort of not and kind of uh, a romance she was and in kind of, not. kind of a romance he and like kind hugs of not her and her kid that he like just met for the first time yeah yeah we've been pretty pleasantly removed from the the garbage yeah. Seagal romance. well and that's what I was saying like this is like this actually I expected that to be a thing in all movies and then it wasn't after the second movie this is like oh this is what I thought these were going to be mm-hmm. the whole time anyway sorry to interrupt yep nope uh, but so she was in like an ep- an episode of Doctor Who back in two thousand five, a really really good episode of Doctor Who. By oh, the way. she's a dollar. Um, 
Yeah, she's in the episode Dalek, yeah. which is a really, really great episode of that show. Uh, she was in uh, an episode of Father Brown, which I personally love. The BBC show Father Brown. It's a murder. It's a mystery show. It's really excellent. Um, she was in. Oh my gosh, no, there was something else. Oh, she was in Stargate. Uh, she was in a few episodes of Stargate. So like the most she had, recent one, she was she, uh, apparently in the Netflix Witcher television series. Yeah, she was also in The Witcher. So she like has been hanging out in just like a few episodes of a whole bunch of different TV shows. So she was like vaguely familiar to me. I'm like, I've seen her in something. The whole time I was um, watching this, it's probably it's not even because of like how she actually looks. It's more just like her haircut and the fact that this past weekend yes. I literally just went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with Sarah. But I just kept thinking she looked like Debbie Harry uh, from Blondie. Like I, that's all I could think of any time she was on screen, except obviously very different accent and everything. But I just kept like thinking of like mm-hmm. Blondie. Uh, the the guy who plays Mister Mims, Sherman Augustus, which that's an awesome name by the way. Mister Mims, uh, Sherman Augustus. He was in an episode of Westworld. Uh, he was in an episode, an episode of Bones, an episode of Dexter, an episode of NCIS, an episode of CSI Miami. Uh, an episode of NCIS, an episode of CSI. Oh, also the nanny and murder she wrote, <laughs> and Star Trek Voyager. Oh yeah, no, yeah. truly like one an episode of NYPD so Blue. Oh Bones, how can you not mention Bones? Bo- he was in one episode. He did. Of Bones. He did I, mention no, Bones. Edit that out. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was just about to say. You got to get Sarah um, in here. Show him. Show her the picture and see if she recognizes him. Tell. See if she can tell us what episode from what season. Uh, as I already said, Jeffrey Pierce. Uh, who plays Steven Seagal's brother in this, Sean Cold. He's been he's been a voice in a lot of video games, including several uh, different Calls of Duty. Um, hmm. He was Call- in... <laughs> Calls of Duty? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> he was in The Last of Us, the TV show, and the video games. Um, a few episodes of, like, pretty popular tv shows that people have heard of so he looked like vaguely familiar to me calls of duty um that's how you pluralize that <laughs> come on uh oh and um diobio operai mm, yeah that's who is probably one of the more famous people in this uh he was his most recent credit is the gray man which I never saw. Um, he played one of the variants of Loki in the Loki TV show. He was on the Orville, and he played oh Ario Hota on six episodes of Game oh, of Thrones. Oh, really? Yeah, he was in the 2012 Judge Dredd remake. He was in uh, one of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. He's like played a lot of the actors in what I'm basically what I'm saying is a lot of the like a lot of the actors in this movie played like background characters or like small parts in pretty famous stuff. Oh, he was also in the in the film version so, of Doom. Hans, you got to watch the film version of Doom starring Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Yeah, he was in the film version of Doom. So we're which not is actually pretty Alien rad. Three, we're which not... is also I'm I need to rewatch it again. I'm I think I'm gonna there there seems to be a small crowd consensus bubbling up of like an Alien Three reevaluation that actually it wasn't that bad of a movie mm. i might be I, obviously alien and aliens are both better but i think i'm gonna join yeah. this like group think of like hey alien 3 wasn't that bad 
Oh, this should be a Sigourney Weaver podcast. But um, so just like I was going through this whole movie thinking, have I seen that guy in something? And then I look him up and I'd be like, yes, I have seen oh, that guy in Santa something. Yeah, we should actually. I'm going to campaign for mm-hmm. Sigourney Weaver next season. Uh, but like the guy who played Jared Oliphant, the CIA guy, Gary Raymond, uh, he was in actually some. Well, his most recent credit, he played the High Septon. I think, as we already said, he played mm-hmm. the High Septon in yeah. House of the Dragon. Um, but like back in the fifties and sixties and seventies, he was prolific. Saint Peter in the Greatest Story Ever Told, like classic Bible movies of the sixties. Um, he was a castus in Jason and the Argonauts in nineteen sixty three. He played Prince Sancho in El Cid in nineteen sixty one. Like kind of the golden age of Hollywood stuff. So like a lot of these people, you've probably you've probably seen them in something. So we're not we is... haven't bottomed out by by any means. No, no, but no. But we're not at all. we're slowly, I think we're starting the trend from easily recognizable like names. Yeah, we don't have like to... Danny Trejo and Uncle Hank and uh, you know like well, yeah, lower no, A list, no, B list no, actors. Uh, but I did find that sounds mean. In... I shouldn't say it like that. In this movie. I did find a guy who I do not know how I did not recognize him so far. John P. Giolino. Okay. His acting credits, there are only 11 of them. His acting credits, The Glimmer Man, mm. Fire Down mm. Below, The mm. Foreigner. What? Today You Die, which is what's a com- it's an upcoming Seagal film. Black Dawn, another upcoming Seagal film. Mm. Urban Justice, another upcoming Seagal film. And Pistol Whipped, another upcoming Seagal film. Wait, who was this? this? I'm not even seeing... John P. Giolino. How low down in the credits is this guy? He's very low down in the credits. I didn't even see this one guy. Oh, he's like the second... He's the hotel manager. He's the second to last guy on the IMDb page. Yeah. How did you get this far down? But he plays just like some part in a bunch of these Seagal movies. Ooh, which actually does remind me. Hmm. I have to issue a correction for last episode's correction so (laughs) like two episodes ago i said like oh we have so much of the super mario brothers movie if we just get john leguizama and bob you know bob hoskins and we have everyone um and then i said okay episode after that correction we did have john leguizama it was it was in a movie we didn't like watch i was just re-listening to our episode on out for justice episode four and i feel like such a dummy because he not only was he like in out for justice he was like hey for that movie my like personal pick for like the coolest like surprise uh, actor i wasn't expecting to see and be like the like first guy that made us start talking about the super mario brothers movie in this podcast he's like the reason that we started connecting (laughs) to the super mario brothers movie and then i'm like oh if we just get john leguizamo we'll have them all he was literally the first one i was (laughs) i in my defense out for justice was an incredibly forgettable movie we spend that whole episode talking <laughs> about how memorable the character's name is, and I did not remember it until I re-listened to that episode recently. Yes, same. It's a very it's forgettable movie, and John Leguizamo is a bit part in it. It's Gino Felino, Gino Felino, by the way. Gino Felino, Gino, Gino Felino, Felino, Gino, Gino Felino. Felino. But I, so correction, John Leguizamo is in two Stephen Skull movies, one that we did not watch and one that we did watch and literally talked about the fact that he was in. So I'm sorry, it's just, uh, again, to reiterate... We have so much of the live-action Super Mario Brothers movie. We're just missing. We're just missing Bob Hoskins. <laughs> we also have watched a lot of Seagal in between there, so I don't blame you for forgetting. Thank you. I appreciate it. But I needed to, for editorial, you know, transparency 
and integrity. I needed to update that correction. Yeah. Uh, do we have some quotes? Um, I think my favorite quote is steady. Okay, yes, steady, yes, that's what I was steady. Say. <laughs> steady. <laughs> he says it so authoritatively. Uh, we I, already mentioned uh, Bon Appetit, Mademoiselle. Okay, I'm gonna take Bon Appetit, uh, Bon Appetit, Mademoiselle. I can't say it, but here's okay. Here's my here's my quote. He says, <laughs> in the very beginning of the movie, I don't even know these characters, but he's one of them's handing one of the other guys a piece of paper or whatever. He says. I hope this is worth it. It's too cold for false alarms. And the other guy who receives the piece of paper says, it's too cold for ice cubes. I don't know what that means. Wow, what a, what a completely it, it organic me, remembering of that quote that you just did there now. It may, <laughs> yeah. It made me laugh because it it's not like relevant to anything. I don't understand don't, what the point of that is. You don't remember the two like folksy sort of racist comments by steven seagal against his would-be assassin mr mims like the one time that he calls him ray charles oh I, uh, oh my god oh, no I about that what no or when he's like try so the the first time he says something kind of racist is when he calls him ray charles because he's a black man where well, he says you kind of look like ray charles uh, but i bet like but i bet you can aim better than but him i or bet something. uh i yeah, I don't think Ray Charles can yeah. shoot as well as you. No, that might have been the one I was thinking um, of. That which, might have been the one well, earlier that, on that I, that I that forgot does, about. I, I did forget about that. So he says that to him when he's in the hotel, and then they make the agreement to go out to like the weird warehouse place or the docks or whatever it was where he ends up blowing him up with the CD. Uh, and he goes into like a, a Cajun accent for a second, talking about like, oh, well, you do remind me of my uncle down from... And then he does like an Aikido move and steals his gun from him. Like, that's how he yeah. like, puts him off balance is by saying something, like, super, like, out of left field, very racist. Um. I, I blocked it. I completely forgot about those. But, no, those are some of the Even best Seagal quotes that, like, yeah. some of the best, like, Seagal movie quotes is when someone says something and you're just like, what? What what were you trying to, like, I don't <laughs> even know what you were trying to. <laughs> what does that mean? I know it's like, at one point, Mim says, sweet dreams, Bruce Lee, when he knocks out Seagal. Because, like, <laughs> I feel like Seagal put that in there to, like, compare himself to Bruce Lee. Yeah, but, I mean, all in all, star ratings? Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. Okay. One more quote. I Okay. Towards the beginning, this is the one that I was thinking of, I promise. Uh, they get the package for the first time. <laughs> the first time they pick up the package. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jonathan Cold and Mr. Boudoir are driving away. And Boudoir. Dumois. I know. I said, I know. I'm going to Boudoir now. That's funny. <laughs> And Boudoir is like sitting there holding the package and he's like, oh, let's check out what's inside. And Seagal says, don't do that. If you touch it again, I'll blow your two inch <laughs> off. <laughs> You're right. I forgot about that. That I thought that was pretty good, actually. That was my favorite for a while, but then I forgot about it. So I guess it's not my favorite. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, you, you kind of look like Ray Charles. Then again, old Ray can't shoot as good as you, right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and also, I just want to—they can't all be gold. Also, I just want to point out, um, at least on Letterboxd, the kind of like slogan, the tagline for the movie is, "If they think they can stop him, they're dead wrong." <laughs> what? If they think they can stop him, they're dead no, wrong. I know what you said, <laughs> but like, I mean, a lot of people end up dead, but actually, any... Skull doesn't kill most of them he's not the deadliest person in this movie yeah he, and he's not like the wild card or anything uh-uh. 
Like that's definitely Dunoir. Like this movie should have been about yeah. Dunoir. Um, I I want the spinoff. Yeah, I want that the would be a much spin-off. better movie. Well, he's just like this unkillable, uh, like agent of chaos. I, and I love that they don't even like so many times in a movie like this they'll have him like get mm-hmm. shot and he's just like ah you know, got the bulletproof vest. Like they give some. They don't even try to give an explanation for this. Uh, the first time he gets shot, they say they found a flak jacket mm-hmm. on the okay. premises. They don't okay. show it. Just like an agent in the background says, I found this flak jacket, military issue. And then that's But he just gets it. shot four times. And then the other three times that he gets shot. They give like no a less of an explanation every single time it happens. They just say, you know, y- yeah. you know, he's not dead. It's Dunoir. It's Dunoir, it's, it's Dunoir baby. Do? If they think they can stop Dunoir, they're dead wrong. <laughs> um, but yeah, Star might. It's all the cigarettes to keep Honestly, him alive. He, well, it's because he's smoking the cigarette. It's because he's not done with it. He's got another one behind the ear. He's not dying until he, he he smokes that one that he's got mm-hmm. behind the ear, and he's always got one behind the ear. Yeah. So he's My star good. rating, it's probably like two stars, but like two stars with like a heart. And like I think this is like going towards the top of my like ranked list. Yeah, I'm I'm going two and a half stars with a heart. You know, I'll give it two and a half. Yeah, yeah, two and a half you, stars you, like you, it. Uh, twisted my arm there, buddy. <laughs> All right, balance Hans. us out, Hans. Bring us down, please. It should not Come be two on. stars. Mm, no, go two stars. What? It would be go, go lower. lower. No, this is definitely. I've given one. I've been giving one and a half to like the most mediocre, uh, just like straight average, not good, but not that bad. I think this one sits up slightly above those, so I'm gonna put this one at two. Okay. Okay. That's fair. I think that's. I think that's probably, that's pretty, probably fair. pretty fair. What's the um? I I have to ask Aaron because we now that now that this is out there for people to listen to I've I've heard this comment a couple times now from all of our loyal people listeners, really all of our seem to yeah all of our loyal listeners our very close friends who listen to it out of pity um, yeah yeah <laughs> I've heard a couple different times that people really enjoy hearing what your dad thought of oh, the movies yeah. and I've had His I've had to say I I think. I was gonna say I think we got to a point pretty quick where Aaron's dad didn't see them. No. So, in that spirit, what would your father think of this movie had he seen it when he was uh, the age he would, probably he would think be this in one 2003? Is really dumb, actually, mm. uh, yeah, it involves Marines. My so dad. I'm just like imagining it. what my dad would say, and he would just say, "This the story makes it like I can't tell what's going on. I have no idea what's going on." Um, but that I guess that's if he watched it today. Uh, he would he would be upset by the movie I think and he would just be upset that he has no idea what's going on and there are lots of explosions for no reason I think that's what he would say about it now back when he was seventeen um he'd probably love it <laughs> I'm just gonna guess if we just like freeze him like cryogenically freeze him and only release him <laughs> like for one and a half hours every time a new yeah. movie comes out. He would love every single one of these movies. Yeah. <laughs> he cannot move past the the age of eight of seventeen. If he hits eighteen, like no. the mind, the frontal lobe just forms just enough that he goes. Actually, I don't know about this. So we need to freeze him at yeah. exactly that point in his life, and he will love every single one of these movies. Yeah. Oh, uh, here's something I want to do. Uh, I'm just gonna add a new element to the podcast now that we're 14 uh, yeah. episodes in. Do it. Let it evolve. Uh, yeah. What should people watch instead of this movie? Oh, Ooh, I like that. Okay. Um, I mean, I my vote is Leon the Professional. Well, Hans already mentioned the Transporter, so I don't want to like steal his. The Transporter or Born? Yeah, I've never actually seen the Transporter. Oh, really? Well, yeah, 
Is that so? Should we pull that one and put that on Plex? Um, Yeah, I should go watch the Transporter. Uh, Instead of watching this, you should absolutely watch the Born Trilogy because after coming coming fresh off of those, they still hold up. They're phenomenal. Mine, I'm gonna go with Crank or Crank Two High Voltage. It doesn't like share like structural like as much like plot or like setting location, but we kind of you know in like the the frenetic like frenetic like pace like the style of the movie i'd say this is like yeah. a crank or a crank too for instead no that's a really good segment i like the mm-hmm. what should you watch instead because we've mentioned so many times how like this is a lesser version of blank glimmer man is a lesser version of rush hour like that, yeah uh yeah no i like that we're gonna we're gonna keep that what's what's yours aaron oh uh it's, it's leon the professional if you like oh the you did say that i'm sorry movie, like if you like the way this movie looks but we're let down by the plot and things like that and actually the pace of the movie uh it's uh, this is feel it felt a lot slower than most seagal movies but i think it kind of worked in a lot of ways but didn't work very well uh watch leon the professional um i will join aaron in that recommendation but i will tell you you can fast forward through the scene where the 14 year old natalie portman like does like a little kind of costume dress up thing for leon when she does oh, like that. sexy yeah. Marilyn Monroe, a happy birthday, Mr. President, you can fast forward through that whole scene. You yeah. can skip that. Oh. oh. In fact, I'm going to say you should yeah, skip actually, that. Actually, there should be like a Not final just you cut can. of that movie that just like, takes that part out. I just got very excited a second ago. I started looking forward at the next week. Um, so next week mm-hmm. will be Out for a Kill, 2003 straight-to-video action film directed by Michael Oblowitz, starring Steven Seagal. Uh, much of the same, except what got me excited this time is that Steven Seagal is playing um, Yale University archaeology professor Robert Burns. Yes. I am very excited for what Steven Seagal's interpretation kidding? of what a college professor is like. I, I, wait, I is bet this you. going to is this, be Steven Seagal's take is, on Indiana I'm, Jones? I'm calling it next week is going to be what you watch instead is Indiana Jones. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> but I would not be surprised oh if gosh. we all come away with just watching Indiana Jones. And conveniently enough, there's a new one coming to theater soon enough. Or I don't know the actual release schedule of these episodes. Maybe a new, maybe the new movie just came out. Yeah. What are the odds Watch that, that. Uh, while he is a, a Yale professor, uh, he also has a CIA background? Um, I would be shocked be, if he did. Or, or something <laughs> like that. CIA, FBI, DEA. It's typically CIA, but I would not be surprised or... I mean, it's not unprecedented to say EPA. Uh, yeah. If it's got three letters, he's been, you know, maybe he took like a, a CIA sabbatical at one point and that's his background. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, join, join us next week um, for the second film in 2003 directed by Michael Oblowitz starring Steven Seagal that went straight to video. <laughs> I'm kind of excited for this one. Uh, I don't know. What's it? Oh, we have to come up with a stinger. I don't really know what to do this one. I like when they just come in, come naturally. That's fair. Okay. Something, something so goofy. Join us. I don't know. Our last one so was join great. us next week. That's true. I'm, I'm very excited to. I'm very excited to come back next week. Um, for for a kill. How about you, Aaron? Uh, I'm. I want to see how Seagal pulls off Indiana Jones. <laughs> That's it. That's it. <laughs> I don't know. Aaron's got the edit for this one. I get his problem. <laughs> yeah, I'm the one who has to figure fart, it out. Fart, fart, big stinky fart. <laughs> that's staying the in. That's it. No, that's it. We just found it. That's perfect. <laughs> See, it's naturally goofy. That's that's exactly what we want. The foreigner, more like the 
be careful. Uh, yeah, you right, should. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> More like, more like Jack's don't, gonna don't stop touch talking. that one. Eggshells right now. Ooh, ooh there's so many <laughs> eggshells. I'm stepping on all of them. Okay, good night. <laughs> that means one of us has to die. Gino Felino. Gino Felino. Gino Felino.